0: Chatting and uh, have some fun now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary here's rob black on the wall street business network
2: Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Oh, Let's talk a little bit stock market. I just did a whole hour dedicated to a best stuff, talking about Warren Buffett. That'll be on the podcast. You should grab it. You should listen to it. It's good stuff. But I know that people want to talk a little bit what's happening today and why. And they want to know, you know... Going into the weekend, is everything okay? Stock market's being supported by broad-based gains that are linked to the so-called reopening trade. Now, this is a market that can really get in your head. You know, California's seen a spike, mostly in Los Angeles. Arizona's seen a spike. Texas's seen, seen a spike. Florida's seen a spike. We know that a couple months ago, we were sitting at home watching the news, and Fauci would come on every night, and we were like, Fauci. Fauci. And he would tell us like what the numbers were and what we should know. We've kind of gotten away from that, and that's good for the stock market. Is it good for our economy? Mm, probably. But there's, it's going to be messy. Out of 55 states, Florida ranks number 37 in total per capita COVID-19 cases. Florida reported 3,800 new COVID cases yesterday versus 3,200 the day before. So that's a spike of 600. Again, we're doing more testing. I don't know how you should read this. I don't know how you should understand it. Um, I don't know if we – I don't know if that's valuable at this point in time. Jerome Powell really taking over the Federal Reserve. And remember a couple years ago, Donald Trump put him into that position, replacing Janet Yellen. And then Trump quickly learned that the Fed's not going to be influenced by the president. Or maybe they were. Because Lord knows there was days where the market was down and Trump would say, hey, I think the Federal Reserve should act faster. I don't know what those idiots are doing over there. And then like four days later, they would lower interest rates. And, it's kind of right. The Calvary came to save the day. It's a weird game of rock, scissors, paper, right? What's more important, Jerome Powell or COVID. What's going to help the economy more or what's going to hurt the economy more? And this has been a good week of shows. On Wednesday, I had Patrick O'Hare talking about, you know, is all the stimulus going to lead to inflation? Is all the stimulus going to lead to devaluing the U.S. dollar? Which we have a strong dollar policy in theory um, in place. So we don't really want to see that. It's, I think it's okay to have strong dollar, weak dollar from time to time. When there's a weak dollar, you can uh, go to Europe and get a lot of bang for your buck. When there's a strong dollar, it's the opposite. They come here. So it kind of helps us a little bit. Um, Anyway, White House is considering suspension of J-1 work visas, but no final decision has been made. What I'm trying to get at is there's a lot going on with the White House and with Congress at this point in time. Will there be another stimulus package? Will it be to put people to work or will it be to keep people at home safely? You don't know. Or if you do, I'd be surprised by that. Will something else get done? I think so. I like the idea of infrastructure spending as all government plans. That's probably one of my favorite ones. And that's not saying very much because I don't like most of them. Our Congress has never met a tax dollar they didn't want to spend, right? But I'm okay with infrastructure. I kind of wish there wasn't as much waste in the process, but I'm okay. Improving roads, improving airports, improving bridges. Um, If you grease that part of our economy and make it easier to commute, it's easier to do business, and you're not spending more money on gasoline sitting in traffic. You're using that money instead of giving it to the Saudis for oil. You're giving it to maybe your local restaurant. I like the idea. There's some Fed speak today, Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren speaking, saying the ongoing health concerns have created an unusually complex employment situation. Unemployment in the United States stands right about on 13.3%, but we thought it was going to 20. Or it could go to 20 was the thought, right? So he's saying that's up dramatically from February, 13.4% for sure. But a return to work by more people is good news only if it can be done safely and on a sustained basis. That was another thing from this past week that got our hearts going. Are you kidding me? And what am I talking about? What am I talking about? Are you kidding me? Um, China said we're closing down our schools after they've been reopened. And you're like, no, no. The reopening's not sticking in China, therefore it probably won't stick in the United States because they did draconian stuff. Um, I I kind of want to give them a French accent where they're like, "You will stay at home." Or I guess that's German G- Chinese, right? You will stay at home. You will not leave.
1: I'm French. Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king?
2: So they did some things where they it was kind of a military shutdown of their cities, and it's back. It's like a horror movie, right? Can't kill Jason. He just keeps coming back. Uh, So that was earlier this week. So we got a lot to think about. Carnival Cruise Line CEO is um, a new position. Operating company for P&O Cruises and Cunards. Um, Success or failure starts at the top. (laughs) So I'm not interested in investing in cruise lines, but for the sake of story, Getting a new CEO, I want to see what his past tenure was. I want to see what he did well. I want to see if he could bring fresh ideas like he brought fresh ideas in the past. That's anytime I see any sort of change in management, I instantly see what they've done in the past. Speaking of which, I was thinking about Marissa Mayer the other day. She was one of the first Google employees. Then she goes on to be CEO of Yahoo. Couldn't turn it around. She had a great history she was an incredibly smart CEO. Couldn't turn it around. Nope, not going to happen. It was unturnaroundable. That's one of my favorite things when uh, people tell me that something can't be done. I was once talking to the mayor of San Jose, and I said, you know, you're kind of loved. Um, Any chance you would run for governor? And I said, I can't tell if you're a Republican or Democrat, but everyone loves what you're doing in San Jose. You're doing a lot of meet and greets. You're out in the public. You're, you're supporting small businesses. And he said, I will never run for governor because the state's ungovernable. Wow. I'm kind of getting that feeling about our Congress, too, right? It's become so uh, toxic. But then again, maybe, it's, maybe I'm just looking at the, the 10 who are toxic who are in the headlines, right? Anyhow, Ford Motors returning to full production on Monday, which is two weeks ahead of schedule. Uh, yeah, I think we're getting the. Ha- I'm not gonna say we're getting the hang of it, but something along those lines. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Nokia's in the news. They've successfully completed a series of over-the-air 5G trials in Dallas, Texas. I don't care about Nokia. I care about the 5G. Getting peak throughput speeds of over one gigabyte through phones is awesome. Uh, and it'll lead to a lot of new things, a lot of new applications, a lot of new hardware. Uh, New ways of consuming media. It's a positive, in my opinion. Bigger media, more realistic. Anyway, I'm Rob Black. This is Weezer. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com.
0: sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
2: KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. You can kind of tell that it's a Friday where we've had a lot of information. It's been a positive week. We should um, take that for what it's worth and be happy. It's been a positive week. Um, There's a lot of news, and it gets very frustrating focusing in on it each and every day. So take give yourself a break on occasion, in my opinion, if you can. couple reminders. Have some good resources. I love the magazine The Economist. Um, it's not for everyone. I think it's pretty hardcore. Um But I think you'll learn a lot about becoming a better investor if you just learn a little bit more. It's kind of almost a mean publication. So um, it it writes some things that are not pretty. And I I think that's very, very valuable. 800-516-1220. So The Economist is good. I think The Wall Street Journal is worth a read every day. I think Barron's is worth a read, and this is all about financial literacy. I was talking with a guy yesterday who does uh, marketing for a big financial company, and he said something pretty interesting to me. He said, my mom was the financial literate one, or is the financial literate one. So, like, If there's a salesperson involved, it gets kind of brutal because the salesperson pays attention to my dad, the salesperson pays attention to my dad, and then boom, my mom breaks him by asking him a tough question. And I'm like, that's kind of funny, but it's also kind of sad, right? It's not sad in his situation. It's just sad that we don't expect that. His uh, mother taught him financial literacy, and I think that is an amazing thing. I don't think that is a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. Um, Financial literacy is a good thing. So pick up the Wall Street Journal. Pick up Barron's. Pick up the New York Times business section, I'm a little less about the New York Times business section than I was 10, 15, 20 years ago, in large part because journalism's changed in the last 20 years. As the internet came along and became a thing, um, the quality of writing went down. You got college kids writing about recessions for the first time instead of someone who's lived through like 20 of them, <laughs> not 20. Uh, but things changed is all I'm getting at. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and so much more. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So good resources out there. A lot of websites I don't – like you might go to like a MarketWatch or a Motley Fool. They don't pass the mustard for good financial information. You get too much random and trying to cut the random out's is not the easiest thing. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, good resources. Be careful on the internet. It's kind of the same thing with being you know, a doctor on the internet. I hate going to the doctor now because I'll go, yeah, I got a little spot of blood in my urine. I looked it up and it could be cancer. And he, could go, he goes, it could be that you're fat and you're running and you're jostling your kidneys. Stop looking at the internet. I'm like, okay, that's fair. <laughs> Same thing goes with investing. Um, earlier in the show, I talked nonstop about Warren Buffett, in large part because he's been doing it for 60 years. He's the best of the best. There's no better. And he's got a track record that's the best of the best, 60 years. He's not always going to win, but he's, he, he keeps it simple. Uh, One of his tenets is he once bought Gillette, and I hated Gillette because when I was coming of age, 18 to 21, I was still drinking beer and watching the Super Bowl with my buddies. And every year we'd get stoked, and I had a friend named Mark. He was like, "Uh, there's going to be a new uh, Gillette commercial. There's going to be a new shaver. It's the Mach 3. It's the Mach 4. It's the Mach 5. You need five razors to get your stubble off. It's genius about it. Is Instead of coming up with a product for one person, somebody who's got tuberculosis, let's come up for a cure. Somebody who's got diabetes, let's come up with a cure for 5% of the population or uh, a remedy or something, right? Every man grows whiskers every night when they go to bed. Every morning we wake up and we got a little bit of stubble. Uh, COVID-19 taught me I'm not very good at growing a beard. I've got this crazy beard going that I I think the only person I kind of look like is Jonah Hell or Seth Rogan, I get those two completely confused in my head. But one of them, when they grow a beard, it's not whiskery, it's hairy. Mine, it's hairy too. Um, my dad had great whiskers. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Maybe I'm the mailman's son, right? Anyway, uh, Buffett was right to buy Gillette. And in my, my golden age, like you saw Gillette come up and the guy bought a football team, Robert Kraft with Gillette. He bought, a foot, he bought the Patriots because he sold razors. And it, it wasn't so much that he sold the razors. The razors were pretty expensive, five or six bucks. But you could use that forever and ever and ever. You just had to buy the cartridges. And something that I can tell you that was genius is you, you get people buying these on a regular basis, right? I use an electric shaver because I, I hate throwing plastic into dumps. I know electric razors probably aren't much better, but you get the idea that I'm sensitive to some of these issues. Um, but do you know when you buy a, a Mach 4 razor or a Mach 5 razor and it's got these incredible razor blades and you're like, yeah, I kind of wish the razor would stay sharper longer? And uh, you piss off your spouse so and use their, their razor on your face or on your back or on your bottom of your feet, wherever you have hair growing. But it's a great concept because one of the things that they do is those razors will kind of run out pretty quickly, right, as far as sharpness goes. But even worse than that is that little strip that they put on it to, like, lubricate uh, the shave. That runs out even faster. It's almost a scam. It's almost a sham. It's, it is what it is, but it's a great business model, recurring revenue. AOL was a, a great tech stock in the 1990s. It's a weird thing to say out loud because then it went to nothing. But they got people to pay every single month. Investing in insurance companies is a lot safer than investing in banks in theory because insurance companies they get you on a regular monthly payment plan, right? Or you lose your insurance. It's not that simple. But always think business models, please. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. Got a webinar coming up, you'll learn more about that next week. I'm Rob Black. It's the end of-
0: questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome
2: back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more story hit me pretty hard the other day that a young 20-year-old man who'd been using Robinhood the app committed suicide after racking up massive losses. He was probably reading his understanding incorrectly. But it does go to show you that in your 20s, you probably shouldn't be buying stocks. And I hate saying that. It's stressful. It's, it's, it takes time to get good at it bring in CFP Chad Burton, see what Mr. Burton has to share with us today. Somehow, some way, some shape, some form, you're going to make us smarter, I assume. Mr. Burton, how are you? I am good. I hope so. <laughs> good. Uh, what do you want to talk about today? I, we could talk webinars. We could talk Warren Buffett. We could talk investing in your 20s. Did you see that story about the guy knocking himself off because he racked up big losses?
1: I did. In fact, uh, late yesterday, my own mom sent that to me and says, is this, is this happening good? And this is really sad. I mean, it, I don't know. Um, so I'm f- more familiar with acorns, but Robin hood was, is kind of more of the trading style app. Oh. And I didn't know if you could short stocks on it. I mean, that's the only way you can get a negative balance. So is he reading it wrong? I haven't read the story. I didn't click on it yet. So are you able to, I believe, to op- I believe option.
2: he can short stocks and I believe he can use options as well. And that's a pretty complicated thing for a 20-year-old man who should be worried about what he's going to do on a Friday night during COVID and not necessarily trying to become rich.
1: You know, here's the deal. You you can easily go buy ETFs or exchange-traded funds. Um, You can go buy them for free at TD Ameritrade Fidelity or Schwab or whatever. After you buy them, you can make sure that dividends are reinvested. And when around ninety percent of large cap growth managers can't perform the outperform the S and P five hundred over a long period of time, why are you bothering to pick individual stocks? And we see this happen. I mean, I remember two thousand, you know, ninety what five through nineteen ninety nine. Everybody thought they were geniuses picking individual stocks. Same thing happened from about two thousand five to two thousand seven, and then you get these big declines, and then people that were doing okay, and then they have huge losses and cash in at the bottom. Mm-hmm. they don't invest again. And it almost ruins them when it comes to investing. Um, like just at this last one, if you were able to stay put, congratulations, if you cashed out and marched at the lows and you're still in cash, it's, it's a really rough situation for you because you got to make the decision. Do I go in now because there's so much stimulus around the world or do I average in over time or do I sit in cash and then have to work 15, 20 years longer in order to save enough for retirement? Cause I got out of the stock market.
2: I don't know if this is going to be helpful or hurtful, I'm about to say, but I haven't really been upset by the stock market in 20 years. I think it was 2000, 2002, where I had a, oh my God, moment where I was like, what's going to happen with the markets? And I had to stop and process and like grab a bag and hyperventilate a little bit. Um, but I haven't really had a stress in 20 years since. Um, I think it's a good thing to get over, if that makes any sense. Have there been any times where you've just been overwhelmed by the markets or overwhelmed by clients or overwhelmed by product like annuities? Or has there ever been a moment where you're like, whoa, like
1: I need to chill Not for with the stocks. weekend. Okay, good. Not with stocks because it all comes down to, you know, you get these, the market thinks comments on CNBC, the market this, the market that. The market is a, a group of individual companies and you can look through to those companies, are revenues increasing or decreasing? And then what are we paying for the future cash flows of this company? Um, so you can look at specific companies that represent the majority of the index and why the indexes are pushing higher is because the S&P 500 has a lot of tech in it these days with Microsoft and things like that. So it's really a very small handful of stocks that are keeping a, the S&P at these levels. And it makes sense because more and more people are using Microsoft, for example, right, with Teams and cloud and working at home. What, I mean, my biggest stressor since the 2008-2009 crisis was March 9th through about March 19th when the bond market stopped working. And that's why the Fed stepped in. I think Jerome Powell is a hero here. Um, probably one of the best Fed presidents we've ever had. The way that he stepped in, uh, first it was basically kind of these cash markets that companies use, financial institutions use, and then, and then stepped into the bond market and said, guys, everything's going to be okay. But we literally had a freezing of the bond market on March 9th. And so March 9th to 19th, that was a very, very stressful time for me, um, making sure that that acted out because it was really tough on fixed income and fixed stocks are easy, man. I, t- I tell you, just you look at companies right now, you look at, do they have enough cash on their balance sheet to get through another potential, you know, show up of the virus again in the fall? Cause you have to have that and you have to have the cash and access to cash no matter what your business looks like. And then are you growing revenues? You know, what are you in healthcare technology, industrials? If we get an infrastructure package, um, and do you pay a dividend? Do you increase your dividend? Uh, so you can look through at stocks, but when fixed income stops working Rob, that's when I get concerned.
2: You have, it's not a degree, but you have a
1: certification
2: called CFP certified financial planner, I wish I would have got a CFP designation in my 20s. I was too fascinated with stocks and being smarter than everyone. Uh, But I wish I was a CFP. Now, you have a son, and I hope I could talk about this. How's he doing with the whole 20-year-old CFP knowledge base? Because I know he's studying it, or he was studying it. Yeah, yeah, sure. So,
1: well, Nick gets really deep into the behavioral finance stuff. Okay. Good. Okay, I like um, so I think he'll, he'll go a little bit more that direction, plus he's going to be graduating in his third year and going into law school. So I'm not sure if he's going to go you know, more estate planning route or into the behavioral finance world um, because he loves uh, philosophy and psychology of, of investing and in how people react to certain things. Um, but what's interesting is like, so is everyone always going to pay attention to the inverted yield curve again? And this is coming from a 20-year-old kid, right? Remember when the yield curve inverted um, last year and everybody's like, ah, no, it's different this time because the Federal Reserve is involved and stimulus and this and that. Well, well, you know, we did within a year have a recession on the inverted yield curve. So yeah, it's something that you pay attention to for sure. And the inverted yield curve, for those that don't know, is when shorter-term bonds are paying more than longer-term bonds. And that happened a couple of times last year. Um, Now the yield curve has steepened because of what the Federal Reserve is doing, which has created a little tougher job for those that invest in bonds. What bonds are you investing in? What's already rallied as a result of what the Fed is doing? And where are the opportunities being created? You're hearing a lot of firms talk about structured credit um, and, and private debt and things like that because there's so much demand for bonds right now, Rob, that there's not enough bonds being issued. So some companies are going to the private markets
2: furthering um i was talking a little about warren buffett earlier in the show because I, I tend to go back to him um you've got a lot of great downloadables at new focus newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com, and you and i have put together them through the years and i was referring to the warren buffett one are there any downloadables that you really like that you think are more useful not than others but are there any downloadables that you would urge people to educate themselves with this coming weekend per se
1: uh, yeah, well, for sure. I mean, for younger people, it's the 20 steps that you, 20 things to do before you need a financial advisor. That's a good And one. one of the things that the cares act, um, or not, not necessarily the cares act, but the secure act, um, and cures and a result of all the stimulus is that there's more debt, right. Than ever before. Somebody's going to have to pay for that. Um, social security now is going to be strained. Uh, a little bit more as a result of all this. So why pay taxes in the future when they're going to be higher? So younger people or people trying to save money, they need to look at Roth IRAs. Younger people that are, you know, their, their federal bracket is 12% or under. They, why are you going for the tax deduction? Put the money into the Roth 401k, forego the tiny tax deduction that you'd get for it, and let the money grow tax-free for the rest of your life. Um, Again, not so
2: sounding like that, I regret anything, but I wish that was more of an option when I was twenty, if you know what I'm saying.
1: Oh, I know. I, when I got into the business at you know, nineteen years old, Rob, that you could put two thousand into a Roth and ten percent of your pay up to ten thousand into a four hundred one K. That's it. I'm sorry, the Roth wasn't even around. It was just an IRA. Uh, um, well. so it was all pre tax stuff or investing in annuities, which was a horrible tax situation afterwards. Um so it's gotten a lot easier to save money. The issue is, is that, you know, where are you focusing on? Some some people are still focusing on, uh, you know, real estate at really tough cash flow levels right now versus growing money tax-free in stocks in a Roth IRA. I mean, you you definitely want to do that first.
2: Sounds good. Thanks for joining me, Chad. People can find you at newfocusfinancial.com. You've got a lot of great downloadables there. You're always doing webinars and seminars. People can check it out right now to see what's coming up. Check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. And thanks for contributing the information. And I love that your kid's doing behavioral finance. It's, it's so cool to see young people take control because uh, we have a good future. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Um, we're talking about a lot of the basics right now, um, how to do things correctly, how not to get in over your head. Um, Good stuff. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
0: Where investors rule. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. On AM 1220, KDO Double Free. black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Your
2: voice like an
1: angel I'm
2: Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Like you're someone I believe in. CFP Chad Burton was just with me. I thought he did a great job on the fly. He wanted to talk about something else today. I was like, can we talk kind of generically speaking? And I hope it gives you good perspective that we all start somewhere with our investment careers and our financial understanding. It's better for worse. Um, He's a pretty top notch, pretty bright guy. And we were talking a little bit about like the right way to do things. Kind of one of my mentors without being a mentor was Warren Buffett. He's definitely, you know, I think you strike down 20 things that you absolutely believe in in investing. And if you could do that, You'll find that some of those principles are probably pretty similar to what Warren Buffett throws out there. Now, Warren Buffett's known as the stock market guru. Not a lot of people think of him as real estate. He does own some real estate in his company, Berkshire Hathaway. It's bringing Tony Mendez to see if he can add any color to some of the basics of investing, some of the basics of Buffett, so to speak. How are you, Tony? I'm well. Good morning. So I asked you last night, put together some ideas on Buffett. What what was one that stood out to you on real estate and Warren Buffett?
3: Well, he has several quotes, which you you can't just ignore. Um, If you're smart, you're going to make a lot of money without borrowing. Um, Some other quotes are never lose money. The second rule is don't forget rule number one. Uh, he, He follows a lot of rules. And, um, you know, real estate can be emotional for a lot of people. Oh, I really like that property. I want to buy that property, and he tries to take that out of the equation. Um, he, he doesn't like speculators. He, he he says that if you don't, if you're focusing on what the future value of a property is, you're a speculator. I don't like speculators. So there's a lot of rules that he follows, and that's what I really like about Warren Buffett.
2: One of the ones that you sent over to me was rule number three, and I'm not sure where these came from, but they're they're good. Uh, avoid speculation when embracing location. And again, we hear about that location, location, location. You hear people like me say stupid things like buying a good neighborhood of schools. Don't necessarily buy you know a, a beach house that has bad schools. Buy a beach house that has good schools. Like that, that having that location angle to it, it does help. Um, but speculations, like you don't want to say like, "What's the next hot city? Let's go buy there." There's some problems with that.
3: Um, it- You know, one of the trends that we're seeing right now is, you know, people moving to, uh, you know, find cities that have affordable housing. Right. Um, And I've been, you know, I do a radio show as well, and I've been trying to turn that into an investment angle. I just can't really feel comfortable with that going, hey, should investors follow these trends? Should they go to a city where it's more affordable and people, uh, the demand will be higher and you might get some more value on the property? Then I go, it may not work. What, you know, if you're an investor, you want people to rent. If people are buying there, maybe that doesn't make sense uh, because rents might go down if it's more affordable. So, speculating is what led a lot of people to financial disaster uh, leading up to the the Great Recession, um, and it was fed by a lot of, um, you know, bad loan products, appraisers, uh, realtors, loan officers. Everyone was feeding into this speculate speculation that, uh, you know, of greed, um, it, it can backfire well, on you. And I think that's what he's trying to say.
2: Yeah, you may remember I, I knew someone pretty well that her dad, you know, had a house in Fremont and he, he bought another house then he bought another house. He bought another house. And then 2008 happened where there's a great recession and he lost those individual renters. Warren Buffett, and you sent this to me, he said, why buy single family homes when you could buy commercial buildings? Me and Chad Burton, we bought a commercial building in a right next to a courthouse. He works out of that building. It's, it's, a, it's a genius thing because we could always sell it to another person who wants to have a corporation or a business next to a jailhouse or a courthouse is probably the better way of saying that. Uh, what do you think about commercial property and him saying, avoid trying to own 100 units with 100 renters? buy one uh, one building and get a hundred commercial businesses in it. That's I'm paraphrasing, but you get the idea.
3: Right. You, you're essentially what he's saying is you're limiting your risk. Right. Um, if you have a four unit building and one tenant moved, you're still getting income from the other three tenants as right. opposed to a single family where you could have a, a flood, a disaster in the house. You have to, you know, you lose income on that unit for an indefinite period of time. So it's, and um, what we see a lot of times is investors that have put their efforts into single-family properties eventually move towards multi-unit properties, and then and then eventually go into like ten-unit to twenty-unit buildings because they do offer a little bit more security, and you, you know, and that's really what you're looking for is you know solid growth over a period of time, uh, without the risk and minimizing the risk. So I think that's what he's trying to say. Okay.
2: Anything else that stands out to you as far as your 20 plus years of being in the real estate mortgage industry? Anything that you want to pass on? It's nice and simple to digest, like a lot of Warren Buffettisms.
3: Um, think long term. Um, real estate is not something that happens overnight. Um, okay. and, feel, and do what you're comfortable with. One of the first things I did when I got into business is I wrote down a list of of six investment ideas starting with the least risky to the most risky. And then you f- pick what's most comfortable for you. And, but you have to really know your limits and push them slowly as you go through um, and do what you know uh, best. Do what you, do, do what you are comfortable with. And I think that's the best message we can give p- investors in real estate.
2: Sounds good. Thanks for joining me, Tony Mendez. People can find you at com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's a trusted friend of mine. Um, CFP Chad Burton is a trusted partner of mine. A little bit different, but you get the idea that I like to work with people who are smart and know what they're doing. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Um, another Buffett quote that I should you know probably end this with, and I, I like it, is someone's sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. Um, Now, I'm not going to say go out and get an orange tree or a lemon tree or a lime tree. They're great investments at $10 at Home Depot this weekend, and they will bear more money and fruit for you than that purchase price. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall
0: Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision